Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Philip Vincent is back with me today, and you can learn more about what him and his team are up to by going to momshouse.com slash Jack. And I'm going to make sure to have that as a clickable link in the show notes, but really appreciate your time again, Philip. You have a very unique strategy. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun to have a Blue Ocean product. And it, when people hear about it, they're like, what a great little niche. And then they hear the numbers are like, oh, this isn't little. This is basically all of real estate. And so I'm really excited to share with your listeners today. Yeah, you've been on, but this was like a couple of years ago. So it's probably time to revisit what your team does. Give us the elevator pitch and then how it's evolved since the last time we've chatted. Sure. And so a few years back, the real estate market was a little bit different. But I started 25 years ago as a home builder, and I worked my way to where I am today, which is basically a lead aggregator nationwide for a specific niche that is the senior living. And so to be clear for everyone listening right now, I'm not going to talk to you about creating a senior living community or owning a community, but it's everyone that moves their parents into those communities. That's the flashpoint that I've found of when they need to unlock their equity for care. So that's that flashpoint of when they say, how much is it to move mom there? It's six grand a month and her pension's 2,200. So they're like, Jack, if you're my brother, you're the more affluent brother. Are you going to pay that $3,800 a month for very long? And you're like, maybe one month. And then you'll say to me, brother, we need to sell mom's house. And that's where that unlocking that equity for care comes in. And what happens and what we found is if you and I are brothers and we live all across the country and mom lives back where we're from, the last thing we want to do is throw money into that house. I can show you on paper things like the cost versus value guide that family is going to lose about 40% of every dollar they invest, plus their time, plus the clean out, all these things, all to get back to a number that mom's house could offer them instantly to make that move more convenient. So we procure families, I won't say leads, we procure families from the senior living industry for part of the senior living sales process. When they go to move somebody in, in their discovery process, they say, how are we going to pay for this? Only about 5% of Americans can start writing the check out of their checking account every month. The other 95% have to sell mom's house. So let's talk a little bit about what you do then to establish the relationship and how you're finding these opportunities. Sure. Establishing the relationship in this world, it's like any other relationship building. There's one night stands and there's 50 year marriages. And so we are building 50 year marriages. How do you do that? You take your time and you do it right and you become trustworthy. And so my training that I have, my training for these people, everyone listening today, everyone's going to want the best leads that I've ever found in real estate, but it's the right system for some of you. It's not right for all of you. Let me delineate who's good and who's not. This Most investors, predominantly male, predominantly blunt, and the senior living industry is very different. I always say you're either a crockpot or a vase, and the vase is more loving, more kind, more beautiful, more gentle, more fragile. That's senior living. And so to build relationships in senior living at the local level, and I would even say the national level, they have to understand about who you are and what you're driven by. And so I get to buy houses after I care for seniors. Care mm -hmm. first. If you can't start with the hug, you don't get to buy the house. And so the industry, if you think about it from a high level, investors are known to take advantage of people and seniors are known to get taken advantage of. And so you rub that together and that's how mom's house was born. Is that seems like a 
and, and that's where this training comes in. We do a very extensive training with our students to know how to, there's what we call it yesterday. I just had a live event in my office yesterday. The language of senior living is different. And for those that want to embrace it, you can build relationships. I would say lifelong relationships like those 50-year marriages with the lead source that comes directly to you. That's the most exciting part here is even though I've been doing the senior living thing, Jack, for 12 years, I was just ahead of the curve. The baby boomers are actually starting right now in this year to start coming to senior living. And for the next 15 to 20 years, those numbers are going to get more and more staggering. Yeah, this is the edge you're walking, right? You're talking about those that type of scenario where you are you constantly feeling like you're battling that misconception of you taking advantage of the situation? Sure. The, the question is, how do you make money? And really what they're saying is, do you just lowball? And so the thing about being a real estate investor, having done multiple hundreds of transactions is my job is to try to pay as much as possible for the house that I can. And when I, I said the word cost versus value guide, I'll just give you an example of St. Louis. If you put a $15,000 deck on your house, the cost was 15000 How much value do you think that returned to you, Jack, if you had to guess? I wouldn't have a guess. It's about 60 cents on the dollar. You actually lose about half of your money for almost every rehab item you do. In fact, there's only one or two rehab items you can do that give you one more than $1 on your dollar. So everyone thinks they have to rehab it to get top dollar. Why do you think people think that they have to rehab it to get top dollar? Who do you think is telling them they, they need to do that? Every You turn on the TV and you're told that. By who? What industry? Real estate agents. Yet companies like Curbio just came out where they say, they're, they're, I read one of their emails the other day, they say seven out of 10 people needing to sell their home need to do rehab items and they don't have the money to do it. So this company comes out to say, let us do it and then you pay us at the end. There is no free lunch, guys. There is no free lunch. Can we just be honest with each other for once? There is no free lunch. When you overpay to have that rehab item done, you did pay for it. Just they, craft, they crafted it in a different way. And so we're always comparing apples to apples. When you realize that this family in a time when they need money, they need to unlock that equity for care. Let's talk about that equity for a second too. Boomers and their parents own over $10 trillion of real estate, single family homes in the United States outright. 10 trillion. So when you, somebody says this is a little niche, guys, you don't, it's, it is real estate. Think about the last five houses you've bought. Was the seller 28 years old or were they 82 years old? Almost everybody's, I think I've been buying houses like this anyway. And I said, you probably have. It's that big of the market. It's that size of the market that it's seniors. What are we looking for as real estate investors? Motivation that you want them to have equity. You want it to be a house I can add value to, a warm referral. That's what these leads are, these families. I like to call them families, not leads when you build a relationship the right way. And so when you look at the senior living industry as a whole, Jack, they're basically a car dealership that doesn't buy the trade-in. And I just finally came up with an analogy that I like because I think everybody gets that. Car dealers, they buy your trade-in to make it easy for you to buy their new car. So what mm -hmm. would happen today, Jack, if car dealers stopped buying trade-ins? What would happen to that industry, do you think? It'd probably collapse. It would at least slow it down tremendously, right? Mm-hmm. Because people would still buy new cars, but they'd have to go, hold on, now I got to go back home and sell my car and get the money. And then I'll come back and see you. That's exactly what's happening in senior living. They spend millions of dollars a month to have, if you're brothers, they spend millions of dollars a month to market to you and I, to bring our mom in, to come to a tour. And they say, how are we going to pay for this? And they literally take their hand and they go, go find a real estate agent. And when you guys figure that out, please come back and see us. They sell housing, right? They sell cars, mm -hmm. but they don't buy the trade-in. So mom's house, all we are is we're the home training guarantee. 
we want to give them an offer for their house. I can show them on paper that the number they net with my offer is going to be similar to what they would net if they went through all the trouble of doing what the real estate agents asked them to rehab it, to get top dollar. What a fun number that is, right? We got to rehab it to top dollar. I can show you on paper that it literally takes your time, effort, and money, and you're going to net the same amount. When you show it to them the right way, no one says, give me the hard, risky future thing. Give me the thing that's we can close in three or four weeks and this is over. So when you ask, do I low, do I, when you know you're confident in something, you ask that question about how do I fight the industry to let them know I can show them facts to say, here's what the family is actually up against. And I always like to say too, I'm sitting with the family on the same side of the table, looking at the problem together, trying to find a solution that's right for everyone. Sometimes I get to buy the house. Sometimes I don't but I try to help everyone I meet. And that's like the mantra of mom's house. They need so much more than just the house. They need VA benefits and elder care attorneys and placement agents. They need downsizing experts. They need clean out experts. They need auction houses. They need all these things at that same time. So we come in with a holistic approach to give them a hug in a time when they really need a hug. Just, hey, you might not know, know this, but you have a lot more options than you realize. Yeah, it'd be curious. I, I Could you give us like a breakdown Let's start with that relationship because a lot of your opportunities are coming from the relationship you've earned through the senior living centers. Yeah, a lot of the people, either they work inside of the community or they work outside as a vendor. So inside the walls, there might be 50 job titles inside those walls from CEO to janitor, right, inside there. But the ones that I like to network with are the ones that are having those hard conversations with the families. They're the ones that are doing the discovery. When they walk in, they say, Hey, you like garden view. So how are you going to pay for it? And then they say, here's mom's books or here's the finances. So like a finance director or an executive Mm -hmm. director, which is kind of like a principal, they run everything or an activities director, or they even have someone called a move-in coordinator. Guys, what do you think the move-in coordinator does? They help them with all the logistics of getting their current car house before they move into the new car house, right? I'm, I'm using car interchangeable with the analogy of before, but They sell housing, but they'll tell you they sell care. And they do, guys. By the way, senior living is a hard business. High five to those guys. It's a hard business, and they're in the care business. But I understand it as it's care with real estate because they're moving from their current real estate to that real estate. And so they don't embrace the trade. And so that's how Mom's House was born. So how do you meet these people, establish that relationship, prove yourself out so that you become a trusted resource for them? It happens on two different levels. It happens at the hyper-local level by my students. I have about 1,400 students nationwide that I've trained. So they will go out and meet the people we call on their 20th plenty list. Those are those job titles that I teach about in the local market. From a national level, I had a meeting yesterday with United Healthcare. So I meet with giant providers, AARP, the CRMs that run the industry, right? We're part of the senior living sales process. So I'm from the top down and my students are from the bottom up and together we have this dream of helping 10,000 daughter Judy's a month. That's what we're trying to do here. And we really think it could be 20 or 30,000 daughter Judy's a month. That's the potential of how many people need our service. Because I'll give you, if anybody likes stats, I'll give you a few. Seven out of 10 Americans over the age of 65 will live in some sort of assisted care before they pass away. And there's about 54 million Americans over 65 today. And by the year 2030, there's going to be about 74 million Americans. Seven out of 10 of those will live in assisted living before they pass. So if you guys are waiting for like things like probate, probate's a good niche if you're going to buy real estate, but it's a tiny niche compared to what I'm talking about because I'm talking about seven out of 10 
they're going to sell that asset before they've passed away. You've mentioned you have 1,400 students now that you've helped with this process. Yeah. How many of them struggle with the op- with the concept of the mental hurdle that they have to get into the mindset of they're there to help versus taking advantage? If they listen during the training, it's better. I think we all have that. Let me say it a different way. The hardest time I have is with people that are already real estate agents for them to think differently versus someone who just has the right heart condition that I can teach real estate. They're easier than the person that's got set in their ways. And so with my training, I say, don't walk in as an investor or a real estate agent, walk in as a senior transition specialist. And they go, oh, hold on. I'm both an agent and a real estate investor. I said, guys, so am I. I. I do both of those things, but I am there to buy the house as a senior transition specialist to help them with all the other things besides the house and the caring and helping them holistically. Is, I was, and, and here's why. When you show up at senior living and you say you're an investor, all they hear is done, done. Their wall goes up. So immediately mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Guess what's even worse? When was the last time you met someone and you're like, hey, what do you do? And they're like, I'm a real estate agent. And you're like, tell me more. Yeah, no, right. not ever. Maybe since the first time you met one when you were 16 years old or something, right? Maybe, but you don't do no, no. Guys, by the way, that's how they've been trying to fix this for 40 years is go talk to a real estate agent. And when you figure that out. And what they've really done is they've kicked the can down the road. How long does it take to clean out a forever home? If you had to guess. Oh, it, it's a lot. I've, well, I mean, I've done quite a few of them. Three months. Three months. Let's just be kind and say three months. Sure. You can't yeah. rehab the house till it's cleaned out, Jack. Okay. So we can't clean it out. So we got three months. The average estate sale in St. Louis takes between, it, it costs them about three to $5,000 to put the sale on. Guess what the average revenue is at the sale in St. Louis? Probably that between three and five thousand dollars. So you don't, but you don't say, "Hey, mom and dad's stuff is worth zero. They have to go through that. It's their parents' stuff, right? They have to say, "We can't just throw this stuff away. We have to try to get this money to pay for care, and we're going to sell all these things. Some of them have sentimental value. Some actually have real value. Some have no value. But all of it has to be dealt with. They don't understand that they they made five grand on the sale, but the sale cost them five grand to do. So now they broke even. Now, oh crap." Now the agent's telling us we have to put a new kitchen in here and it's got a deck and six or seven other things. Where the heck's that money going to come from? I'll keep using Kirby Ostad. They say seven out of 10 people don't have the money for the rehab that they need. That's true. I 100% agree with that. And they go scrounge up or they take hard money loans or they do all these things only to find out later, just like the estate sale, that they're losing about 40 cents on the dollar according to the cost versus value guide that you guys can actually pull up in your local market. If you're not familiar with this, Go to the cost versus value guide. You can Google it. They've been doing it for 23 years. You can, it's fun and sad to look at what a bathroom costs in your local area in 2013 versus 2003. Guys, it's 24 grand for a complete tear out of a bathroom to put a new bathroom back in. Where as the investors listening right now are saying, hold on, I can do it for way less than 24,000. And I want to say, that's the point. I want to scream. That's the point. The retail person gets their head knocked off when they try to go rehab houses. And guys, guess what? If Jack and Philip are brothers and I'm in St. Louis and Jack's where he's at and mom's back in Cincinnati, where we're from, I'm making that up. That's not real. But mom's back in Cincinnati. Do you think when Philip and Jack call the contractors in Cincinnati and they know we're four states away and we're like, hey, give us a good deal. They're like, they know they're not going to get more business from us than this one transaction. We're not getting a deal Mm -hmm. on anything, let alone are we going to get a contractor not to take advantage of us. And so when you put all that together in this time when they need money, they need help, they don't know where the money's going to come from. You add it all up. The mom's house option is they're like, that's what I need. That's what I've always needed. I'm going to net the same amount with none of the hassle. Of course, that's what I need. 
I, and I'll tell you right now, Jack, I don't think I sell anyone anything. I present all their options and then they pick the one that's right for them. Just to remind everybody, it's momshouse.com slash Jack. And if you found some value in what we're talking about here so far today, can you do us a quick favor and share it with one of your investor friends? So One of your kind up. investor friends. I like that. Jack, if you're sitting there going, hey, I got that friend. We skew a little bit older and a little bit female. And I don't know many real estate things that are out there that skew female, but we do. Why? I'm being stereotypical again. I'm a guy and I've been successful at this, but it's the empathy, right? If you don't, if you don't know if you have empathy or not, go ask your mate. They'll tell you in two seconds if you're empathetic or not. And for some guys, it's harder for us to have empathy because I also want, as a society, I want to, as real estate investor world, we'll say investor on this podcast all day, but out there, we think about the bricks and sticks that we're buying a lot, but I want you to start thinking about the humans that you're buying from. I, I focus on that. The bricks and sticks is the byproduct of caring about the humans that live there, both the adult children and the senior themselves. Right. I would imagine what you're talking about takes quite a bit of time too. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people who will try to close on the phone, for example, this is something that you have to nurture a little bit and, and take, be a little more patient. The answer is yes. You have to be more patient. The difference is this. Going directly after daughter Judy is really hard to do. The adult children on average live about 400 miles away, or at least one of the adult children do, uh, the sons or daughters. So to market directly to them, I'd have to have a national budget at a huge level. So what I teach my students to do is go to the local level. There's about when we say 20 is plenty, there's about 20 to 50 different job titles that have the ear of daughter Judy. So what you do is you train them to be your filter. Now they put you on a pedestal and say, Hey, have you heard of Philip? He's the guy that takes care of this. Now half the battle is won because I already have trust. When an elder care attorney says, sounds like you need to talk to Philip. He's the guy that takes care of this. Now I show up with the warm referral from their attorney. It makes things go a lot easier. And, and let's think about it from another perspective. When you do direct mail and you get that one deal, that's most likely going to be it. When you build that relationship with the elder care attorney, you might get a deal a month from now on for the next 15, 20 years, as long as you want to be in the business. There's a huge difference there in that relationship about. Sure. So can you talk a little bit about, spend a little more time on that conversation with the family then and how that's approached? Yes. Yeah, so it's a warm referral from one of the people, I call them stakeholders in the industry that I've built, built a relationship with. They've referred that family to me. My job when I show up is to leave them in a better condition than when I found them. They're going to know way more of their options on what they might be able to do. A lot of times they feel overwhelmed. Uh, they may, maybe have already met with a real estate agent. A lot of times they haven't. Sometimes they have. The agent says, hey, we're going to need to do this list of rehab. We're going to need to clean it out and do this list of rehab items so we can get top dollar. And so when I walk in, is I'll say, hey, I think this house could sell for that top dollar number. Now they immediately go, this guy's okay. He's telling me the same thing the agent said. So now I'm going to have that conversation with what does it take to actually get there? And that's what mm -hmm. gets glossed over sometimes with, oh, just rehab it. Guys, I've been in this business 25 years. It's hard for me to find contractors, let alone somebody just getting started and really let alone the family who's fragmented, doesn't know where the money's going to come from. Just because my uncle or my brother Bill has more money, does he also get to run the rehab? Does he go get the lien waivers? Is he, it's just, ah, it's just a lot. And by the way, we're talking about the time when we're moving our mother out of her forever home into senior living. You think there's other things going on, pressing, maybe a little more important than the rehab? Yeah. I've been in a couple situations like you're referring to. 
where in one place the family was in the middle of a fight to the point that they could they wouldn't even be in the same room together let alone try to do what's right in the situation so there's like a level of peacekeeper that you have to play yes half a psychiatrist I, i say i also say this too that families that get along don't get along during this process the greed comes out the old emotions come out revert back to i'm the oldest you're the youngest a lot of the things we were as kids come out when in this process when you're trying to help the parents unfortunately a lot of times it falls on whoever the local child is and almost always the female of that so if there's a daughter almost all of this is that's why we call it daughter judy and that's why we say mom the, the numbers why do we say not mom and dad's house the numbers show that seven out of eight times it's actually the mother because men die first so that's just what mm-hmm. the stats show yeah and there's a lot of emotion that's going on at that time too and nobody wants to uh, face some of that hundred percent. It's an emotional time. No one wants to think their parents are getting older or they might have dementia in a time where they're getting a bunch of bad news. We strive to be something that kind of, something's going to go right. This mom's house thing is going to go right where everything else has been. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, you kidding? Like didn't make mom fall down. That's bad news. I didn't say she has to have surgery. The doctor did that. I didn't say she has to go to rehab. The doctor said that I didn't, I'm not the discharge agent that said, Hey mom, after rehab can't move back home. That's some huge, I'm not the agent that said, clean this house out and rehab it. I'm not the guy that said, this place is eight grand a month that you picked out. I'm saying, hey, what day do you want to close? Here's what I can pay. You can leave, take all the heirlooms you want and leave everything else. They're like, I see their shoulders come up. be like, oh my gosh, this, finally something's going to go right in this time when everything is going wrong. Mm-hmm. So what is your plan then? Once you get the property, you, do you typically get it under contract? Do you wholesale it? Do you fix and flip it yourself? What's the end result? The answer is yes to all of those things you just said. <laughs> the cool thing about having a lead source, guys, when I look at real estate, everyone got into real estate to buy houses, but then you quickly realize, oh man, I'm actually in the marketing business. So once you have a lead source that's going to bring multiple types of properties to you, I buy the things that are in my buy box and I sell off the ones that are not. Sometimes it's a tear down to a builder. Sometimes it's a rental. Sometimes it's an Airbnb. Sometimes it's a rehab, right? The, I don't, the house speaks to me. I know by the zip code and the price range and I've been this local market. I've done it so long. I know exactly who my buyer will be for that product. I'm past the humans. Now I'm back to bricks and sticks. Once I get, I buy it from the humans, but I sell bricks and sticks to the investor or I rehab it and sell it to another retail investor. The point is guys, you get to pick and choose what you want to do. And I would say you should start with your vision first of your life that you want. If you're one one of my students, this is what I would tell you. Start with your vision and then say, does this house fit my vision? If it doesn't, wholesale it. If it does, keep it. And a good example that I think new investors, if anyone's listening and they haven't done a deal, I'm going to give you some great advice right now, is the new investor would rather buy a house for 10 grand that needs 90 grand worth of work to sell it for 140, but they should be looking for the house for 90 grand that only needs 10 grand or worth of work that they can sell for 140. The numbers are the same, but that's not the same deal. That's not even close to the same deal don't understand the hassle factor and they think at 10 grand how can i lose you can lose a ton on a 90 grand rehab and your time and all these things and it's advice like that to say when you have a lead source look at it through the filter of your vision of how you want your life to be if it fits it buy it if it doesn't sell it to someone else doesn't mean there's not a but for another saddle i think we've learned time and time again that money is in the niche and you've found your niche in the way you're generating these leads Can you give me a a sample of 
when that in your past 25 years, when did that light flicker on to yeah. uh, direct you to focus on this? Yeah. 25 years ago, I was wholesaling, not even knowing what it was and doing driving for dollars and some of these activities that were common today. But back then I was just a guy who would like to drive around my neighborhoods and write down the bad houses and mail them letters. I was just doing that on my own. And so I've always had this, I, I want to know where the best leads come from. I'm a fact finder. So where are the best leads? And so I lived through 2009, all those years that were down. And I said, maybe it's bank owned properties, right? Even to this day, when people hear what I do, they're like, oh, you buy foreclosures. I'm like, not really that often anymore. But during that time we did. And so in my quest to get the closest to the best deals ever, I started working with an acquisition co company. We were buying a couple hundred houses a year. We were spending 30 grand a month on marketing. I've done every type of marketing under the sun. I've done it all. And we also were tasked with, hey, for every house we do via direct response, can we also go out and do some networking and get some deals coming directly to us? Just like everyone, I went out and started networking with other agents and other wholesalers. And what I found about those two relationships is the problem with it is they're in real estate too. So a smart wholesaler, after I do a couple deals with him, he's going to be like, I'm just going to do what Phil does. And then he bypasses me. And if you're working with a real estate agent, do you really think you're the only agent that they're calling as an investor? Come on. And if they're smart, they're going to start buying them as the investor anyway and not sell them to you. So I always look at those relationships as fickle. So in 2011, to answer your question, I started looking at the stereotype of most of my sellers. And that was the first time I ever came up with the story. Dad died eight years ago. Mom's been doing the best she can. She just fell again. And this time when she gets out of rehab, the doctors are saying she can't move back home. And so now the adult children are scrambling. They're flying into town. They're trying to figure out, hey, where? by the way, guys, number one thing is where will mom get the best care? very quickly followed up with how in the world are we going to pay with pay for this? What are we going to do with mom's house? And what are we going to do with all this stuff? And that's where this was born. And so my mentor said, you should go do that. And I said, go do what? He goes, you should go right to the senior living communities and start working with them. And I did it wrong. I did everything wrong that I could. I walked in with my, look at my, look at this shirt. I, I walked in with my big personality. Hey, I'm an investor. I buy houses from these older people moving into nursing homes. I said three things wrong in that sentence. And I didn't even know because I had that's what I was, right? I'm an investor. I want to come and do this. And I just, I, I knew that I had peanut butter and chocolate. I just didn't figure out how to make the Reese's peanut butter cups yet, but I'm stubborn. So I kept going back. People took me to the side and say, hey, maybe don't say it like that. They were teaching me the language of senior living. They were teaching me how not to talk like an investor, how to talk like an empathetic person that works in senior living. You can make money in senior living. Nobody cares that you make money. It's how you go about doing it. And that's where this training, this certification that we have, these students that I train is to do it a different way. And people love our training. It's phenomenal. It's, it's so obvious. Like this whole industry is like hiding in plain sight. But if you just walk in as an investor or a real estate agent, you're not going to have the success that you're looking for. Just to remind everybody one more time, head over to momshouse.com slash Jack for some more information there. If you like what Philip is talking about. Philip, this was a great conversation. It's been great to catch up with you. Before I let you go, I was going to ask you, we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions. Sure. But with your 25 years of experience, I would like your opinion as to the current state of the economy and where you see the housing market landing here. As economies change, even in down times, things like mom's house, our value prop only gets stronger. The price you pay for houses changes because of what the money costs, but I don't control those things. So I focus really hard on the things I can control. The thing about the senior living industry, I don't care who the president is. I don't care what the economy is doing. They're going to need to sell that house. 
And guys, if you're out there building your wealth, do you want to buy at the top of the market or at the bottom of the market? And so as things change, I think prices are getting ready to change in certain markets. They are already. It's a weird time in my 25 years, Jack, to say the market's good and bad at the same time. It's how can it be both? Because it used to only ever be one or the other and figure out your niche and keep your head focused on that one and you're going to be okay. I don't, I think you're going to keep housing propped up for a long time is what I'm saying. I've been thinking the downturn is going to come since 2018. And here we are, 2020, mid-2023. So it's, I, I don't know. Uh, you can't not do business waiting for the sky to fall. You have to learn how to adapt in this market as it is today. If you're ready, we'll jump into some of these rapid-fire questions. Let's do it. Here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth. Okay. What, what drives you a little crazy? Simply put, I think most people talk about exit strategies, and they teach you about disposition. That's fine and dandy but you don't get to dispo anything until you have something bought. And so acquisition strategies, when we start talking about acquisition strategies, I think the biggest myth out there is that you have to spend five grand a month on direct mail or 10 grand a month on pay-per-click, like that, that you have to have a, a marketing budget to be successful. And what I teach is how to build relationships in niche industry that can be a life, lifelong lead source. It's like an oil well. Once you build that relationship, you're now a tool for senior living and it comes to you month after month, year after year with no marketing budget. What book are you, would you recommend everybody check out or what are you reading right now? Not everybody goes with the same books when they get asked this question. For me, I, there's this book called The Big Rich that I love. It's about the history of the oil business in the United States. And there's a lot of real estate in it, a lot of real estate talk and land barons. And we talk about these wildcatters that dug holes in the ground and failing almost all the time, but when they hit it big and that's entrepreneurialism, right? We're all entrepreneurs to some sort of you're in this business. And so I like this book called the big rich is one tool that you cannot live without, whether it's business or personal. Can I say my wife is my wife a tool? No, she runs the whole house. That's a tool. <laughs> I need to hire 14 people to replace her. So that I, I actually had somebody answer that exactly that way. The other just yesterday, all they, they CRMs are hard. All CRMs stink. Want to know why? Because you have to work. So the tool you have to use is the CRM that you'll use. I don't care which one it is. It's the one that you'll use. So you, mm -hmm. things like follow-up, right? If you don't have a creative follow-up or a perfect follow-up system, the Ferrari's in the follow-up. And so our brains are only so much. When you build a business that has any size, you need to have those things automated. And so having a good CRM that does the follow-up is key to my success. One of the more successful real estate investors that I've run into, his CRM was a 31-day folder. Exactly. It was pieces of paper. It was, it was like, the thing he used, right? He was used to yep. using that, and that's why he was successful. Yeah. He didn't need to follow up a week from now. He'd put the piece of paper a week from now. It just He just kept cycling. That's all he used. That, and that's basically what a CRM is, right? He just that's, I love that kind of story. In under 60 seconds, you're going to give everybody one piece of advice that they can implement today to have an impact on their business, what would it be? In 60 seconds, I have to tell you something they're gonna implement today. Okay, I want everybody to start thinking about the humans that you're buying from, not just the bricks and sticks. You're buying houses from people and you're not just buying one, two, three State Street that has three bedrooms, two baths, you're buying from people. And so you have to be good at this people business. If you don't, you're gonna buy a lot less houses. Being kind, understanding your market, having some empathy, Learning how to be likable is hard for some and easier for others, but the better rapport building you can do, the more successful you'll house buying. And one of the best things that we did was 
change the order of the conversation. A lot of people will start off asking about the beds and baths in the house, but I have traditionally now been starting with the person and understanding the situation before an hour later is when I might finally get information as to the house. And for me, Jack, I try to weave it in. It's probably 95% person. And then as we're walking through, I'll be like, hey, how is this roof again? They'll tell me and I'll just keep talking about the person. They're like, when was the last time this basement flooded? And they'll be like, Mm. it only floods when it rains, which is one of my favorite answers. It's having a conversation, right, guys? If if you're looking for a script to be successful, you're going to be in trouble. Scripts are maybe guidelines at best, but you have to put that down and say, hello, other human. How are you today? Let's right. talk. If I have a, a skill set, it's talk, treating everyone as if we've been friends for 30 years already. And if you just treat everyone like that, like they're already familiar, already, you have to, but that's also maybe some confidence, right? You have to have that confidence that we're going to be friends. I assume we're going to be friends. I'm not like, there's not a wall up against me. I, you're my friend until you're not. Philip, this was great. Before I let you go, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered? Yeah. The silver tsunami is going to affect us all. Our own government doesn't know what to do. There's going to be products and programs designed for them to keep them in their houses longer. The government does not have enough Medicaid beds and they never will. And you're going <laughs> to, it's going to sound bold, but take the senior living thing seriously. And if you don't, you're going to buy houses from someone that did. That's how big this is. Well, I appreciate it, Philip. This is great again. Uh, you're welcome back again anytime. And I uh, hope you'll take me up on that sooner Sounds than good, a Jack. couple of years. See you soon. See you in a couple of years. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.